0: Well, good morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever time of day it is where you are. And no matter what the time of day or where you're located, you are with me, Laura Padgett, and this is my podcast, Living What You're Giving. and welcome back into my show, Living What You're Given, at every age and every stage. I am Laura Padgett, and I have a very special guest for you today that I'm going to introduce in just a minute. But before I do, I always like to give credit to the gentleman who is allowing me to use his music. He's my good buddy, Stephen Ray Watts of the band Dotsero. And this particular song that's opening Jamie's show, as well as others, that I am using is called Stepping Out of the Boat. And I think you'll see why that applies as we talk to Jamie about her latest book, Seasoned. But it certainly applies to me. And I think it applies to all artists because you got to get out of that boat. You cannot stay in that comfort zone. If you do, you cannot create art. But for right now, I want to introduce you to Jamie Mansfield. Hey Jamie. Hello, hello. Wonderful sunny day. It's a what? Look.
1: A wonderful sunny day.
0: Isn't it brilliant? So you're in the Denver area and I'm over on the Western of Colorado Montrose. What's it like over there? About
1: pushing 90 degrees
0: and sunny and it's awesome. Oh, (laughs) I I know. I'll take it. I know. No kidding, right? I like rainy days, but not a lot of them. But Jamie, the reason I've asked you on the show is, first of all, I I really admire your work and I'm going to tell folks uh, something about your work that you sent me in your bio, but that I already knew some of it. And I want the friends out there in uh, podcast land to know that these are in my show notes um, wherever you get your particular podcast, whether it's Spotify or Apple or Stitcher or any of those, but it's also on my website because my website is where I house my podcast episodes also, and I can put the notes there. So in there will be Jamie's contact information, friends. So you can look at her website, check out her books, her art, and the other wonderful creative things she's doing. I met Jamie, oh goodness, I'd say three or four years ago, at least, maybe more now. Yeah. It's like with COVID, I don't even know where the years have gone, but uh, at a writer's group, I've heard her speak. I've been in, uh, I think one or two of her workshops. And uh, one of the things that has always endeared me to you was this saying that you start your bio with, loosening the reins and leaning into the creative life. And that's your sweet spot. As an yes. author, artist, educator. And that was very encouraging for me a couple of years ago because I remember you talking about this and saying that you were at the point in your life, Jamie, where you didn't know if you wanted to write or create fine art, or you're also a horsewoman, which I envy. I love horses, but I've never learned to ride one. And when I heard you say that, I was at a point in my life where I say, well, you know, I can't dance and write and be a radio DJ, which I was at the time. And I thought, well, that's just a lot of bunk. Listen to what Jamie says. Yes, I can. I can do both. You know, the jack of all trades, master of none stuff. I don't care if I'm a master. I just want to try everything before God calls me home. That's right. But one of the things that you do, many of the things you do, you speak at book clubs, in different interest groups. You teach writing classes, the craft of writing. I've been in some of your classes and you you really do well with that. And you're kind and you're gentle and you're encouraging. You also like guiding others in their artistic pursuits at your long time studio. I love this name, Piggy Toes. I love Piggy Toes. Mm-hmm. And you consider that the icing on your cake. I, I'd love to know how you got the name of that.
1: Well, it was. Um, I've had the studio now for about 26 years, and when my oldest um, was just a little bitty guy, I was. I had just started the the company, and we were actually playing the little. You know, this little piggy went to market. This little piggy stayed home. Oh,
0: love it! And
1: uh, he started screeching, "Piggy toes, piggy toes! Let's play piggy toes!" And I thought, oh perfect because at that point the company really was a hand-painted children's furniture company that's how it started out painting old school wow. f- never public school furniture actually so um it was a lot of children's you know step stools and toy chests and such and it's it's morphed into more art instruction really now I do very little um painting of furniture these days. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, because it's a memorable name. And I, you know, after you go through the process of registering a trademark and all that. Oh, yes. I thought, well, I kind of out, the studio kind of outgrew that name, but it's catchy and people remember it. So it's, it's stuck.
0: <laughs> it is. And it's, it's just wonderful. And, you know, it really fits with the idea of the creative atmosphere that you like to have as a foundation for all the work you do. I like that. One of the things about your books, including your award-winning historical novels, Chasing the Butterfly and Rush, is that you involve the reader in the transformative power of art and faith. Those are your themes. They, they go hand in hand. They're like twins yes. in your work. And that is also true of your latest novel, Seasoned, which we are going to talk about and why I've invited you on the show today. Rush won several awards, including the Gold Medal Illumination Award for Enduring Christian Fiction, Cela finalist, and if I mispronounce that, all you purists out there, <laughs> I'll go to public flogging on Thursday. <laughs> anyway, Law finalist, with excellence in editing, and she also has won two prestigious Colorado Book of the Year awards and was a finalist for the Shot to Clear laramie award for excellence in western fiction rush also and i was in denver when this happened and i remember saying yay when we saw it on facebook uh rush was named the 2019 village Read, and it was celebrated throughout colorado right Mm
1: -hmm. yeah it was it was really exciting
0: oh i know i even sent it to some friends of mine and peeps in my life that are oklahomans because this is about oklahoma yeah and I, I like Oklahoma. Um, it also has been a really fun read for so many of my relatives who g- grew up in that area. N- not necessarily in that time. I mean, we old, but we, we, we ain't at that. <laughs> anyway, some of your bold floral abstractions and imaginative landscapes blend the luscious colors and playful textures. That's truly a testimony, I think, to claim. Jamie, but also to acclaim joyful and hopeful art. Oh my goodness, is there anything we need now more, Jamie?
1: Yes, it is. It's um, it's an interesting process of intuitive art, and it's wonderful because it really is very. They're, they're very loosely constructed, and there's no preconceived composition, um, not even really a preconceived palette, and they just kind of become and. My challenge is always to try to keep the colors bright and um, a lot of vibrancy, Um, but really they just kind of express the the mood that I happen to be in that day or over the several days that I work on those pieces. Um, But it is, it's very freeing. And, um, you know, for a long time I was really trying, I found myself trying to control my art um, and and very focused on the product versus the process of creating. Mm. So that's been a huge shift. Uh, not only in my art, but just life, just approaching life that way.
0: I love it because that works right in with the theme of this show and why I feel so strongly we need to be doing this sort of thing, living what we're given instead of always worrying about what others think we need to be doing, and preparing right. ourselves and, and being somebody who has something we don't want, we don't have that we may want. Anyway, you live at the base of Colorado Rocky Mountains. And I love this, that you and your husband have survived. <laughs> Raising three hungry hockey playing sons. And how old are they now?
1: 26, 23, and 20. Almost 21.
0: Are they all, any of them in the house still?
1: Um, Yes. Uh, (laughs) My youngest just moved out a couple days ago. And my middle son is, has graduated from college and he is back here living in the proverbial um, basement, which I, <laughs> he probably wouldn't appreciate me telling everyone that, but that's okay. We said, you know what? I did that too. And life goes on and he's getting himself kind of launched. It's been obviously a precarious year. So he's, uh, and he's actually been, you know, it's funny being the middle child. It's like, he never, we never really got to have time just alone with him. So it's like, oh, we actually really like you.
0: <laughs> it's been nice getting know. to know you. I you know. Yes. I'm a I'm a middle child too, so I understand. Well, there you go. And
1: then my oldest son, though, he is away serving in the US military actually in Germany.
0: Yeah. He's so. West Point Grad, right?
1: He is.
0: He I is. remember seeing that too, and I was very excited for you. Um, but now your home is run by two golden retrievers. Yes. You know, <laughs> I'm a grandma to dogs. I don't have dogs because Keith and I up until last year were, yeah. You know, Maybe three weeks out of every month we were gone somewhere, but that all stopped, and uh, we just didn't think it'd be fair to have an animal. But anyway, I have four. Two, I have a lot of grand pups, and I pretty much know they call the tune. Mm-hmm. That's okay. They're wonderful.
1: They're wonderful. There are good dogs. Love- I
0: mean, they're yep. and and I just love dogs anyway. So that's who you are according to the bio, but. Is there anything else you want to tell us about who Jamie Mansfield is? Yeah, you know, it's
1: an interesting season of life right now and that my... Mom, who and we'll I'm sure talk about this, is um, a large part of the inspiration for the book season. She actually lives with us now, so mm-hmm. she right above me here, um, living here. She's 86, and that's been um, really an amazing, wonderful thing that we were able to have room for her here and bring her um, home. And so I'm also, I guess, daughter and. Caregiver and caregiver. but it's, it's awesome. it's it's really a blessing.
0: yes. And I've had two guests on before you, the shows before you. One was Nadine Roberts Cornish, mm-hmm. who, as you know, is a caregiver's guardian. Yeah. And the other one is uh, Marla Benroth yeah. and Marla. Um, took care of her father as a caregiver. He has dementia now, mm-hmm. but for three years. So this is playing right into that because this is the show at, that will follow theirs. And I uh, will also be aired probably two weeks after or three weeks after my 70th. Okay. So my 70th is coming up on June yeah. 9th when I'm actually launching this thing. Ooh. I know, right? Who does
1: that at 70? I, mean, I love
0: it. <laughs> More guts than brains, my dear. <laughs> anyway, the theme of this show, and we've just mentioned it a little bit, is so much about trying to find ways to navigate life around, under, over, through, and has certainly come home to all of us hard time hit, with a hard time hit there in COVID. But talking about this one book, Seasoned, which really touched my heart, I am gonna just give a real quick thumbnail sketch, no spoiler alerts, because I want people to go and buy and read this. And it is about finding love later in life after partners are gone. Um, In this case, both the the partners were deceased of the couple that are what we call protagonists in the trade, main characters, I guess uh, we would say. And I want to just kind of explore for a second how you see the theme of this show playing in and around with that book. How does that work for you? Well, you know, the whole,
1: I guess, and you mentioned the premise of the book, you know, a second chance at love and the realization that love knows no age um, really resonated with me as I was um, witness to my own mother and a wonderful gentleman that she met. As you both said, they both had long, wonderful marriages. And it was really a profound experience to see um, how alive they came. Um, they, They were very outgoing, wonderful people anyway, but to and it took a lot of courage for them to step into another relationship as, and, and, and ironically, right before our show here, I have to just, it's just funny timing um, the real Lou um, in the book, Frank, his daughter was just here eating lunch with me, came in from Arkansas and and truly 10 minutes before you and I signed on together, oh. we were out, um, she and her husband, and they um, had, came out to pay a visit to Colorado to see some family and stop by and again we were both just sharing how this chance that they both took um, really gave both of them another decade plus of very 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 rich living and the wonderful thing about it it never diminished their other past love And I love that, that they still have the utmost respect for their past, you know, husband and wife, um, their, those family dynamics, that history, the memories, but they allowed each other to enrich each other's lives and enjoy a relationship in a whole other season of life, a whole other realm of life, um, And that was really, that really impacted me that, and this sounds maybe I always am hesitant how to phrase this exactly, but it really confirmed with me that, again, that love knows no age and we can tend, I think society can tend to underestimate the capacity of those of us that are more seasoned to love so fiercely and to contribute to others lives so deeply. And I got to see that play out over 12 years of this relationship. And it was just a story that I had to write. And, you know, again, I'm a fiction writer, so I get to give it all the twists of fiction. But if you really took that book and just boiled it down, it is so based on truth. Even parts of the story are very, were very true and a lot of innuendos and the personalities and, and details of the book. But really the whole premise, heart of the book was just I just something I got to witness and enjoy in that relationship that they shared.
0: And that you had told me and we'd, we'd spoken about um, mm-hmm. the fact that this was inspired by yeah. a true story. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's wonderful that even though you say you're a fiction writer, mo- I think most fiction, or a lot of fiction is based on truth somewhere. I oh, mean, we, yes. is that true? I'm not a fiction I, writer. Yeah, I, I'm I a think, nonfiction I, writer. But.
1: I think it is so based on fiction, and it may not be the exact plot structure, yeah. um, but it's the emotions and again, I go back to the heart, the, the uh-huh. heart of the book, those are real emotions, even if they're in completely fictitious characters and a fictitious place, you know, time period, whatever. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think fiction is very real.
0: <laughs> I do, too. I do, too. And and I admire the fiction writers because you can take the real and you can really weave these novels. Mm. Um, I just, like I said, I, I write nonfiction. I don't know if it's because I'm not imaginative and I just like to tell on everybody. But anyway, <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> mostly I tell them myself. I think you're pretty imaginative. I don't think you're lacking in that department. (laughs) Really? Oh, good. That means a lot from somebody who's uh, as accomplished as you are, my friend. So you were able to detail so many of the parts of this story that a person like me, who I was 40 and my husband was 50 when we met, he is now in July 80 and I will be 70. Mm -hmm. But I actually found myself going wow this happened to us too Mm -hmm. the different things that we're going to explore here for example past baggage yeah there's baggage sure and some of that is in family ours wasn't so much in family but there were um you know issues uh, sure. with with I, I was divorced and my husband's first wife had passed away. And, uh, you know, there are just for issues in certain circles. Um, I've written about that in Dolores, like the river, my first book, and the idea that, hey, people can get real protective of that person and perhaps have a little bit of ownership in some ways, which is what we saw with one person's uh, family in this situation. Mm-hmm. So how are you able to detail so many parts of this story that speak to these issues around loss of a longtime partner, and then the things that were felt or feared about starting over in a relationship in later years? You've covered a little bit of that, but I'm real interested in, was it things that you observed or things that some one of the partners told you how did you know about some of the things that because this really hit home yeah, yeah for me well you know
1: i guess i'll, I'll preface that with saying <laughs> i am very much a seat of the pant writer um i don't plot out my stories i will also add to that that i am a happy ending kind of gal though and so i do know I like to end end the story on a hopeful note, so mm-hmm. I, I do always kind of know that. But so the plot um, and the various conflicts really—I <laughs> yeah, know it sounds kind of crazy—but they play out as I'm writing them. Okay. So I don't really know going into a story, you know, oh this person's going to have exactly this problem and they're going to overcome it and, you know, whatever, um, things just kind of start to roll and happen. And like in the case of seasoned, um, I, I did, I mean, we know as, as fiction writers too, that there has to be some conflict, um, or mm-hmm. things just aren't believable because life has conflict and life has challenges. And, mm-hmm. and we go through life, like you said, with, with baggage, we don't, we don't, uh, travel lightly and um and we change over time so those are kind of givens within approaching writing a book um but the, the specific things that happen to the characters I have to say really kind of evolve because you get to know them so intimately as you're writing the book mm-hmm. they become very real and I and sometimes I think oh my goodness I have become one of those crazy writers that talks to them. <laughs> characters in the shower and, and have coffee with them in the morning, but you really actually do because yeah. again, all story I believe just bubbles up through emotion. And so, you know, one part of, of the book is, well, two parts, I should say. There's external conflicts. Um, you kind of tapped on family dynamics, for instance. And there's some elements of the book of season where there's there are um, secondary characters In this case, the daughters that have to kind of work through some struggles of of, uh, watching their parent go into another relationship, that protectiveness, that love you have for your parent, and all of a sudden you are um, viewing people that come into their life perhaps through a different lens. And so those dynamics. Played into the story and then you get to know those characters and their and why do they have those struggles you know those coming from their own situations that are right. multiple layers in the book um but I, what i always find fascinating though there's external struggles um but i really find it's the internal struggle yeah that um is what really takes you deeply into a character's head. And, and I do love to write from first person point of view. And of course that can be accomplished in third person in novels beautifully. I like to write in first person because that's just how my brain works that I really have right. to be character. Um, and, you know, in this book, there is many layers of forgiveness, of forgiveness of self yes. or past um, wrongs past even perceived wrongs um blame hurt and it's fascinating to go through a scenario or scenarios in a book with characters because you're just like peeling away these layers like an onion you know of of things that they have to peel away to be able to in this case to love again yeah so both in this in the situation with season both characters really had to go through a lot of self-forgiveness to be able to give themselves that gift of loving again and um there's some you know very poignant scenes in the book very um again I didn't plan any of those so all of a sudden you're kind of writing you think oh my goodness how'd I get myself in this predicament (laughs) and how do I get out (laughs) oh my goodness this is a tough one um Yet, I always go back to that, there is hope, there is a way out, and that's often through um, often through forgiveness.
0: Yeah. And I was just listening to someone yesterday, she'll be a guest on this show in a few weeks, uh, talking about, and she actually helps people walk through forgiveness with acknowledgement and yeah. honesty, and those uh, honesty... Well, authenticity is the buzzword now, but honesty, bare bone honesty about what happened, how I felt without, you know, justifying it, without blaming. And then looking at why we feel the way we feel in honesty and in gentleness, which was such a gentle book. I loved the gentleness in this book. And I said to myself, wow, you know, the idea of walking through these tumultuous kind of feelings about guilt and should I be happy again. I don't know if that happened. I don't know if that happens with other people, but I know coming out of divorce, that is a huge Huge piece Mm -hmm. do I deserve to be loved again Uh, I blew it last time um, or I wasn't worthy or whatever goes through the mind and, and I went through all that but I'm just saying that idea of the honesty and you could just feel it building in the book there was this little simmering of uh oh Mm -hmm. There's something going on here, and and neither of them really wanting to approach what happened. But when they did, and I that was another thing. I'm just not going to be a spoiler here, but that was a beautiful, beautiful piece. And fiction or nonfiction, we can learn so much. Books are educational. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. and we can learn so much about ourselves. Yes, and and have a uh, a look into a mirror. And I really, I really appreciate that. But I was, I was curious about your research into the online dating thing, because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know you probably aren't online trying to find anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I'm not, but uh, I don't know. But how'd you do that? How did you find out all that information about online dating? Is it that easy to uh, well, find Well, I'll
1: tell you the crazy thing. The real life <laughs> inspiration, the real Essie and Lou, the protagonist names um the real frank and janet did meet on online dating oh, and yeah so it was actually okay. i true confessions here it was actually a dare on my part to my mom because oh, she was wow. very very vibrant and very social and i said you know mom you don't have to meet someone to remarry but just there's other people out there that are you know interesting and and want to have fun and so she begrudgingly agreed (laughs) to go on actually was eHarmony for like a month subscription and we said well we had a little agreement I had her password and so if she was to get an inquiry she Called me and said, "Okay, I have an email." Oh so my heavens! We get on the phone together, and I yeah. log in, and we would compose. So I really, so in the book, it, the daughter is her ghostwriter, and so that did kind of happen in real life to some degree. And we would get on the phone together and kind of giggle and laugh at some of these um, <laughs> emails that she would get. And very nice, you know, gentlemen, but some were, you know, probably not aligned with her interests and such. And we would respond together. And we we always thought that was so funny. And so she really didn't get actually a lot of activity because when she had set a hundred mile radius and you kind of set this geographic radius, but she was getting uh, people from, you know, Texas and Kansas. And she thought, oh my goodness, I'm not going to, you know, one actually, believe it or not, one man actually wanted to know if she could drive a tractor. And that's not an exaggeration. And she said, well, I did it as a girl, but I'm not really up for driving a tractor now. So that was out of the out of the question but anyway um so that actually happened in real life and so what was going on unbeknownst to me was across town um a gentleman was in the same boat had recently lost his well about the same time my father had passed away and he was kind of dabbling with e harmony not really you know again looking for a new a new wife just some companionship Well, my mom didn't tell me about these emails, these inquiries. And she um, just called me though, this is right as the subscription was about to end. I think there was just a day or two left. And she said, do you think it would be safe if I go have a coffee at 10 o'clock at a Starbucks with a gentleman? And I said, well, mom, you never told, who is this? You never told me about this one, what's going on? Well, she had been having um, her side conversation with him and uh, I said, well, I think it's perfectly safe. Have a wonderful time. So she went and met this gentleman. And this, there's a beautiful scene in the book that um, mm-hmm. really duplicates actually how the whole thing really happened. The, the rose at the table, the whole bit. And in real life, just as in the story, they not only met for coffee that turned into lunch, but turned into dinner the next night that then turned into their 12 years together. So it actually, so the reason I know back to your question, why about the online dating, and I did change it up in the book that it was any harmony and kind of changed the setting and, and such. Um, but there was a lot of truth in that. So um, it was just, it was kind of the seed for the story. And I knew that was going to be, you know, something that had to be even down to what they in real life wore on their first date.
0: Oh my goodness. That was
1: included how I described that scene. So that was fun.
0: And I, as a person of older years now or later years now, Mm -hmm. I just want to say I felt in this book and I I really want to encourage people to get this book and we're going to tell you how in a few minutes. I just, the sweetness of almost Yeah, they're in this age group, but it was almost kind of like being a kid again, a teenager. I'm shy. I'm scared. What if he doesn't like me? What if I don't like him? What am I supposed to wear? You know, and it's all that stuff. And it goes right back to our first point. And Mm -hmm. that is in our society right now, we have, and I don't know if we always have had, I don't remember. My husband and I have talked about this a couple of times and just sort of almost a discounting Uh, okay, you're 60, you're 70, you know, you don't have these kind of feelings. You don't have these kind of needs. You don't have, uh, suddenly it's like those birthday candles are blown off and boom, (laughs) you're turned off, dude. You have no emotion. You have no desires. You have nothing. And and we all need companionship. We need community. We need love. We need support. We need the things that you talked about in this book. And I wanted to ask another question and that was, how important to you in this book, well, your others as well, but for right now we're talking about Seasoned, a love story, how important was the theme of redemption? Mm -hmm. And you've mentioned it a little, but I'd like for you to just, Briefly, elaborate on that for us, please. Mm
1: -hmm. And I I think that all goes back to, you know, how I was speaking about forgiveness, forgiveness of others, forgiveness of self, because to really do that (laughs) at the most deep, profound level, it's understanding that we've been forgiven. Yes. And um, those characters... um, Really had to walk that, I think, to to authentically, to genuinely reach a point of forgiveness, to see their worthiness. That's right. To love and be loved. Right. And that's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I loved in the book that um, their faiths were at very different. Yes, um, they were places and expressed differently. And they each had such a revelation of who they were, who really they were and who they could be in Christ. And I, I had fun with that scene. I don't know if you remember the scene where they're both on the floor praying and the daughter comes in and thinks they've both had a double heart attack. <laughs> so I really love that scene. First, I think know, that was brilliant. I think that's what happened. It kind of wrote itself. But um, so I think, you know, when you, again, you just kind of drill down through these real human experiences and human emotions. And in my life, in my faith and my belief, it's pretty hard to avoid that it goes to the source.
0: Yeah.
1: And, exactly. um, you know, so it's not written in to be trite or, you um, Obviously, no intention, nor is it written in any kind of a preachy manner. It's just, yes. it's just raw. It's what it is. Um, so that's just a, a kind of a natural, I think, outpouring of how I try my very best to view and live the world, live my life. Um, and boy, it's sure fun to go on those journeys with characters. They teach oh, yeah. you a whole bunch of things.
0: <laughs> Beautiful segue into the last question about this. What did Jamie learn? How did you change as you wrote this book?
1: Yeah. I think I think I had to have a real talk with myself about my own forgiveness toward others. And it makes you open your own suitcases, like you said, and look at your own baggage and you know have I fully forgiven in elements of life have I do I really trust in the Lord authentically yeah and um so it it definitely puts you in a very much of a self-searching mode and like you touched on I think that whole concept of truly that love knows no age I have a tremendous amount of respect for, I mean, I'm 57. I think I have to think about that a second, 57, Um, not young, not old, you know, but I have a tremendous respect for um, people older than I am. And they're not washed up. They're not inhuman. (laughs) They are the most wise, beautiful feeling people. And um, I just feel so blessed that I got to know the real people um but I got to create a book that really touched you know those those hearts and can share that with other people now
0: yeah well it certainly was authentic when I I as I turned each page and I'm not a great reader I try to be uh, I do a lot of audiobooks Uh, I try to be a good reader but you know I'm I'm one of those people doesn't sit still well. It's kind of like my knitting. I do four rows a month, which never really makes a project.
1: You're a woman after my own heart <laughs> know,
0: but, but you're yeah, well, but you're so creative and and I have to tell you um it was just it was a joy to read this book and i I've started it actually a second time, and I've referred it to several people. I really think that your book and one of the reasons I asked you on here was because I'm doing a series right now. It's sort of a season, if you will, of um, starting my podcast with saying just that. We are not washed up. We are not useless. Don't kick us aside. Don't discount us, which is something I grew up knowing uh, that older people were really important because I have often talked about my grandmother and uh, my mother, my mom's mother. And I didn't know my father's people. They, um, they, he was the youngest of 10 born on the, well, he was the youngest of 10. The only one born in America, they were from Sicily. And so they were all so much older and his parents were gone. They, They were gone by the time I was born. But I have to tell you, age is not a four letter word. No, no. And people say to me, oh, I, for your age, I'm like, you know, it's okay. You could say that. And then they get all red and embarrassed. I'm like, no, yeah, I don't care. You know, every day above ground is a good one. And I'm very grateful, especially through COVID, man. I saw a lot of people bite it. But I'm very happy that you were here with us today and that you have brought in an element, Jamie, of what I'm trying to say to people is that we're still alive. We're still out here. We're still useful. The stuff that your peripheral characters learned from their older parents, that was good too. That was good too. So friends, I am telling you, go to Jamie's website. Is that where you would prefer they buy the book, Love?
1: Well, they can go to my website and learn a lot more about me, maybe some some of my art and such. Um, And there's links on the website that will take you off to I think Amazon or tattered cover if you're local or various places, but um, yeah. And it's, you know, my crazy spelling. (laughs) I think I talked to you about that. Jane, I look like Jane Mansfield. I I don't look like her. My name looks like her, the old actress. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. But it's actually J A Y M as in Mary middle initial H um, for Hannah, that was my maiden name and then mansfield.com. Okay. But my name can throw people sometimes and they think, Oh, Jane Mansfield, but no. (laughs) So
0: it's Jamie H mansfield.com. That's right. And that's going to be in the show notes. So you y'all can just click on that. It'll be clickable and also be on my website under the podcast episode page. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you, and thank you for this beautiful podcast and your just your your vision with this, and you know the truth that you're sharing. So, thank you, and thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure seeing you, not only on Zoom but in person. And I hope <laughs> our, cross, our paths get to cross many times.
0: Well, I hope so too, love. You just never know. It's always fun to be in the Lord's journey and with yes. others who are believers. So, friends do check out the show notes, do check out Jamie's work. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. And um, next week, we will also be continuing our theme of aging in beauty. And I have some guests lined up. I, I'm not going to tell you about them right quick because I, I'm not real sure it hasn't confirmed yet, but um, we're we're just moving along, talking about the beauty of aging right now. At the end of that series, which will be about oh, total six weeks, we're going to talk about pivoting, which has become a buzzword. But truth is, people have been pivoting for a long time. In fact, you are always pivoting, whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not. But it's okay. Because sometimes you just have to live what you're given. You don't have a choice in many of these things. And you don't, always get to call the shots. You got to roll with it and you got to find ways to keep that creative spirit moving. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. So as my dear friend, Stephen Ray, will take us out of the show with stepping out of the boat. I encourage you today to find a way to step out of the boat, get on that path if you haven't and enjoy your life. And we'll see you next time. I'm Laura Padgett. God bless. Bye-bye.